Hello again and welcome to the long weekend. Well, it's a long weekend for us here in Canada, not too sure about the rest of the world, but for the majority of you, I'm sure whether long or not, it's still a weekend nonetheless. So how's everybody doing? I've got a lot to cover this week and I'm going to see just how many playing card puns come out of my mouth because as the late Kenny Rogers said, you've got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them and AEW certainly has its cards on the table and they're going all in starting next weekend. Well, not quite all in. It's double or nothing and that's the hot topic of the day. I'm going to talk all about pay-per-view preview slash predictions and then switch focus and bring back the fantasy forecast for the big June event called Forbidden Door. So away we go. Actually, before I talk about AEW, there were a couple of big news stories that broke this past week, so I have to talk a little about those. But even before that, I'm going to kick this show off on a positive note and open things up by talking a little about New Japan. The company seems to be back in full swing and they have their best of the Super Juniors tournament currently ongoing. I've watched up to night 4 myself thus far and thus far I've found it quite enjoyable. It kind of feels like the Forbidden Door before the Forbidden Door as we have several talents involved from several different organizations including the current Ring of Honor Pure Champion Wheeler Yuta who primarily competes in AEW as part of the Blackpool Combat Club. I cannot stress enough how much I love cruiserweight wrestling. I've been a fan since the 90s and these lighter weight guys really put on quite a show every time with this one being no exception. I thought Yuta had a fantastic match with Robbie Eagles this past week which I believe was from night 3. Also in action is the current Impact X Division champion Ace Austin who is set to defend that Impact title at the upcoming Slammiversary event against 5 challengers in an Ultimate X match. Thus far, Kenny King and Speedball Mike Bailey have qualified, and the remaining qualifiers are set to take place in the coming weeks. But Ace currently has his hands full in the BOSJ tournament. I find him to be a lot meaner in Japan than he is in the States, and I love that thing that he does with the card up his sleeve where he uses it to slice pieces of his opponent's hands off. This guy is going to be a major player one day, but definitely looking forward to the Ultimate X match at Slammiversary, which is going to be lit based on who's in it so far. And Taka Michinoku, remember him? Even if you don't, you've probably seen countless Michinoku drivers used in the last several years, so you have that man to thank for it. Although I'm sure Juventud Guerrera may take issue with it, as he used a very similar move called the Hoovy Driver. But Taka is making headlines over in Japan. I don't believe he's actually in the tournament, or I can't remember actually if he's had a tournament match, but I have seen him compete in those opening multi-man non-tournament matches, and he looks to be in tremendous condition. He clearly hasn't missed a beat. So that's what's currently happening, but let me talk a bit about what's previously happened or maybe currently ongoing. It is a developing story, that's for sure. So prior to WWE Raw this past week, I believe it was Dave Meltzer who first reported that there was an incident involving women's tag team champions Mercedes Kaysner Vernado, as she may be known from now on, but is better known as Sasha Banks, and her tag team partner Trinity Fatu, better known as Naomi. As I understand it, there was a scheduled six-pack main event to determine a number one contender to Bianca Belair's Raw Women's title at the upcoming Hell in a Cell pay-per-view on June 5th. What's even more bizarre is that Naomi was actually slotted to win that match. But before the show hit the air, both Sasha and Naomi marched into the office of John Laurinaitis and apparently voiced their displeasure with the direction of their characters and the booking of the women's tag team titles before handing the titles over to Laurinaitis and exiting the building. 
This ended up changing the main event of the show to a singles match between Becky Lynch and Asuka, but what surprised me is that this story was brought up a couple of times during the broadcast, which makes people question if it was a work or a shoot. Personally, I can't see them using two mid-card talents for an angle like this, but perhaps that's the genius of it, to get people to question this, and therefore it may be one of the greatest works of all time. I still don't believe this is the case though, and even though they did acknowledge the actions of Sasha and Naomi on camera, I'm still about 99% convinced that this is legit. As much as I want to side with Sasha and Naomi because I can fully understand their frustration and I applaud them both for standing their ground, Sasha has a history of taking similar action when she does not get her way, which I don't think does her any favors. I don't know the whole story, so I'm not going to pick a side either way, but I think there was definitely some unprofessionalism on both sides. Another huge story that broke this past week was Stephanie McMahon announcing via Twitter that she has decided to take a leave of absence from the majority of her duties in WWE. I don't really know a lot of details here, but I'm sure this is for the best, especially with the condition of her husband's health. I'm not going to speculate that that's the reason for the decision, because I really don't know, but it would make sense. I'm sure both herself and her brother Shane will be back at least in some capacity in the future, and I sincerely wish her nothing but the best and hope she enjoys her time away. So that was the news of the week, but now it's time for the news of the future, and the future is double or nothing. Is it me, or does this card just seem more stacked than usual? It is a big one. Let's get into these predictions. Just announced on Rampage this past Friday is that there is going to be a huge tag match between the Young Bucks and the Hardys. It is a dream match at a time when very few of those exist. I mean, it has been done, I believe, a few years ago in Ring of Honor, but it's now on a much grander scale and in front of a much larger audience. I'm expecting all kinds of craziness in this one, but I ultimately think the Bucks will end up prevailing, and then they'll do the respect angle at the end, which won't end up sitting well with Adam Cole and Red Dragon, and could lead to dissension among the elite. Speaking of Adam Cole, he has secured his place in the finals of the Owen Hart Cup, but his opponent has yet to be decided. It'll either be Samoa Joe or Kyle O'Reilly. As much as I'd rather see Joe in this spot, I feel that his ongoing rivalry with Jay Lethal and Sanjay Dutt will prevent him from advancing, and Kyle is the only Canadian left in the tournament, so it may be more appropriate for a Canadian boy to win it and I think that exact thing will happen. He and Cole will likely have an explosive and very competitive match, with O'Reilly sneaking in the win and planting the seeds of jealousy in Cole for a future program, so more teasing there. You also have the women's Owen Hart Cup Finals, and unlike the men's, neither side of the bracket has been filled yet. On the one side, you have Ruby Soho against Chris Statlander, and the other will be Dr. Britt Baker against Tony Storm. Those two matches look very impressive on their own, I think the original plan may have been for Baker and Sheeta to be in the finals as a rematch from last year's Double or Nothing, with Sheeta ultimately winning, but Sheeta's injury cancelled those plans. This is going to be tough to book, because with Britt being one of the pillars of the company, I really can't see them doing a pay-per-view without her. But at the same time, she's already faced and beaten both women on the opposing side, so you kind of do want to do a fresh match here. I'm thinking it will end up being Tony Storm against Ruby Soho, but Britt may make her presence felt either on commentary or at ringside, and her involvement may play into the finish or at least in the aftermath. I think Tony will win the tournament, and then Britt tries to attack her or both women after the bell until a new AEW signing, because there aren't enough of those, comes out to make the save and becomes Britt's next, next program. I have heard rumors of Athena, the former Ember Moon, being all elite. We shall see. 
The tag titles will be defended in a three-way. It'll be defending champs Jurassic Express taking on the team of Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland and the team of Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs. I'm just a little tired of these three-way tag matches. We just saw one at the last show, and that was a bigger one than this will be, so if the champs retained there, I can't see them not holding this time around as well. The only issue is that I think the war between the two challenging teams will continue after this show either way, so does that feud need the titles attached to it when Jurassic Express doesn't have a clear-cut next program? I don't know, but I don't think it's time for a change just yet. Another title being defended is the AEW Women's title. It'll be Thunder Rosa squaring off against her number one challenger, Serena Deeb. Deeb has been white hot lately after the series of matches with Sheeta, but Rosa is also coming off a great series of matches in her own right with Britt Baker. I'm very much looking forward to this one, and I'm actually going to predict a title change here. I think Deeb may end up surprising Rosa, but I don't think the feud will end here. In fact, I think it'll be a short reign for Deeb, and Rosa will end up winning the belt back perhaps by next month. There are actually an unusual number of women's matches on this card. And don't get me wrong, I love it. That's great to see. But this match may not be great. It'll be Anna Jay challenging Jade Cargill for the TBS Championship. This one does nothing for me personally, and neither does Anna Jay. I don't see any way that she's walking away with this title, and it wouldn't surprise me if this ends up being a total squash match. Jade retains. There is also a trios match on this card, and again, like the previous match, I just feel like this is an obvious attempt to try and squeeze everyone on the card. And I mean no disrespect to any of the six participants in the match, because it should be a great one. It just hasn't been one of the highlights for me in recent weeks, although I did kind of enjoy that little tombstone angle on Rampage this past week. It'll be Death Triangle against House of Black, which could very well open the show and may very well steal the show. It's anybody's guess who wins the match, but I ultimately think it'll be House of Black because I feel there's more longevity in them as a team rather than Death Triangle. Death Triangle has been a faction a lot longer, but I never really bought them as a faction. I really don't think Pac fits in with the group, and I think after this show, it's time for them to go their separate ways. There is another huge multiple-man match on the show. It's called Anarchy in the Arena, and my understanding is that it simply means there are no rules. It's Falls Count Anywhere. I thought for sure they'd revive the Stadium Stampede gimmick, but perhaps it's for the best that they didn't, because this feud is a lot more serious than that gimmick lends itself to. On the one side, you have the Jericho Appreciation Society, and they'll be facing off against Eddie Kingston, Proud and Powerful, John Moxley, and Brian Danielson. I'm confused because I thought that the Blackpool Combat Club were heels. I guess the common phrase is the enemy of my enemy is my friend, and it does make sense in this scenario with Moxley and Kingston actually being friends, and I love that they brought up several key pieces of history between these feuding factions. Like I said with the last match, I feel that there is more longevity in Jericho's team as a unit than Kingston's, and so I'm thinking the heels win this one. It'll be a situation where Kingston came back too prematurely after the fireball angle, and the finish is they go after the eye, with hopefully someone other than Jericho pinning Kingston, but I think it will be Jericho after the Judas effect, and then they'll continue building to a one-on-one -on -one blow off match. The feud between MJF and Wardlow has been building for some time. Personally, I think they pulled the trigger on Wardlow's turn way too soon. They could have held off for at least another month or two, and I haven't been impressed with the build since. Both guys have done a tremendous job, but I just feel like the booking has been very repetitive lately, and this is following the same pattern as a lot of other MJF feuds with these labor angles to earn the right to face him. 
That said, I don't expect this to be one of MJF's better matches, but it should be pretty decent. They did kind of paint themselves into a corner with the sip that if Wardlow loses, he has to leave AEW. Everyone knows AEW takes their sip seriously, so I can't see that happening. Wardlow will pick up the clean win, and probably very decisively, as they start on the path to MJF eventually winning the world title, and I'm sure he'll get his win back once he wins that title and Wardlow becomes his first challenger. And then rounding out the card, of course, is the big one for the AEW world title with CM Punk challenging Hangman Adam Page. This is going to be a really strong match, but I feel like more should have been done with this feud, and it almost feels like they rushed it. With Punk being straight edge and Page being a heavy drinker, at least in terms of his character, they could have done so much more with it. But like most other feuds in AEW, this looks like it may be one and done. I think Page is much better in the challenger role than he has been as champion, and Punk is clearly more favored both by wrestling fans and upper management, as he always seems to be the center of attention and is always more featured on any promotional poster. I expect this one to end clean, and I think they both may end up kicking out of at least one attempt of the opponent's finisher, and each man will probably try to beat the other with his own finisher, as teased on TV in the last couple of weeks. In the end, I think it'll be Punk putting away Page after two consecutive go-to-sleeps, and we will have a brand new AEW World Champion. So that's the pay-per-view, or at least this month's pay-per-view, but you also have the big one next month called Forbidden Door, in which the top stars of AEW will be competing against the top stars of New Japan. I'm going to make the bold prediction right now that this is probably going to be the best show of the year, at least in terms of in-ring quality. But it's now time for the fantasy forecast, and I'm going to try and book this card. So we'll start with the champions. With CM Punk potentially winning the AEW world title at double or nothing, I think it's a safe bet to match him against the IWGP heavyweight champion Kazushika Okada. Originally I was thinking they'd do another Okada vs Omega match, but I don't think that Kenny will be back in time for that event. However, I'm sure there will be other opportunities in the future. Given the history, I would also do a 10-man tag with the Elite against Bullet Club, and I think there are probably going to be several multiple-man matches on this show, considering the nature of it. So on one side, you have Adam Cole, Red Dragon, and the Young Bucks, and on the other, you have Jay White, Kenta, Evil, Chase Owens, and Phantasmo, but you can easily sub in any member. Blackpool Combat Club will likely also have a trios encounter against Zack Sabre Jr., Tai Chi, and one of the Super Juniors, possibly Hiromu Takahashi. I apologize that I'm not as familiar with New Japan storylines, but maybe that's a good thing because I don't foresee this being an event heavily focused on storylines. I think it'll just be one of those pure entertainment shows, similar to the ECW One Night Stand events. Hangman Page will probably need a big match as well, and if Hiroshi Tanahashi is free, I'd love to see it. I can see them doing something with Jurassic Express as tag team champions, possibly against Gorillas of Destiny. Chris Jericho will likely be on the show as well. I can't see the rest of the JAS being involved, but I can see Jericho in there against another veteran, possibly Gato or Takamichinoku, or maybe even Minoru Suzuki, who has competed in AEW before. You can have a match between heavy hitters as well, with Samoa Joe squaring off against Tomohiro Ishii, who's been all over the place lately. I can't see them doing a crossover show without Will Ospreay, but I'm having a hard time deciding on an opponent for him. It would have to be a guy with a similar style, I think. I can only think of Ray Phoenix at the moment, but I don't see Phoenix doing a singles match. Maybe they can do Osprey against Dante Martin? Although I can't see that as being a huge deal. 
Maybe Osprey against Darby Allen would be a more exciting match. And MJF is another one that I can't picture not on this show, so I think they may match him up against someone like Naito. There are honestly just way too many match combinations to consider, and both rosters are fully loaded, so it's anybody's guess what they'll end up doing. But as I said, I can picture many multiple man matches. Also, I don't know how they will work the women onto the show, if at all, but if they do end up working a deal with Stardom, that can be something special as well, although I feel like an event like that can be an entirely separate thing. The next month will be a very interesting one, but I'm back next week to continue this discussion. Until then, I bid you adieu. A, B, C, ya.